Well, this past week, I uh, saw a friend in the morning and just said, hey, what, what you got going on today? He goes, ah, going to the doctor. And for a moment, I was a little concerned, like, everything okay? He goes, oh, yeah, just, just having some blood work done, just, you know, kind of a checkup. And I was like, oh, it's probably for work. I, I know where he works, and I thought maybe work was requiring it. And so I said something to that effect. He goes, no, no, this, this is my own choice. And I kind of paused, and he's just like, just, you know, making sure everything's fine. And I'm thinking, like, that's awesome. That's amazing. It's also weird. Like, I'm too much of a guy, I guess. I just don't go in. Like, I called my doctor to try to get something, and they looked at me and like, uh, you haven't been in, like, two and a half years. You have to reestablish yourself. I'm like, oh, good grief. I'm not going through that. I'll just stay sick. Uh, you know, like, I just don't go in. So I was really impressed that my friend was just like, yeah, I, I'm just being smart. I'm just going in. The, the, the medical field kind of expects, they, they want you to, uh, to come in annually for a checkup. Because even if you feel fine, sometimes you go in and you discover something, and it turns out they're able by early detection to prevent things from getting way worse. But it isn't just the medical field. Your dentist wants to see you twice a year. Often, some of you, you need to go into the eye doctor. Your mechanic kind of expects you to roll your car through every three to 5,000 miles, not just to have the oil change, but just to kind of check everything over. There's just this idea that it's wise to get a checkup. Well, today, Vision Sunday, is Riverwood's checkup. It's an opportunity for us to just kind of look at what is the mission God called us to, how are we doing in accomplishing it, and what do we need to do to keep the laser-like focus on what God calls us to. Now, if this is your first uh, Vision Sunday with us, you may be, you know, kind of wondering, what's this all about? But if you've been with us before, then you will not be surprised by these next words. If you brought a Bible today, open it up to Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel 47 verses 1 through 12 is kind of our key passage. As we read through it today, you're going to kind of figure out where we get our name, Riverwood, but also it shapes kind of how we do ministry, the way we try to approach going about and inviting people to find Jesus and follow him. And that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. So if you don't mind, I'm going to read verses 1 through 12 of Ezekiel 47. Uh, and then uh, we are going to be looking at kind of one key aspect of this passage today. So join me. Ezekiel 47, starting in verse 1. Then... He, oh, by the way, the he here is an angel. Uh, Jer uh, Ezekiel has been having a uh, tour of a temple. It's, he's having this vision, and he's seen the new temple that God is going to build. So this angel been, has been giving him a tour, and, and it started in chapter 40, and when you get to chapter 47, it's about to end. Then he, the angel, brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate, led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east, and behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits. A thousand cubits is about 1,500 to 1,700 uh, feet. He measured a thousand cubits, and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand, led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through 
for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, that's the Dead Sea, and the sea uh, and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea. From Engedi to an Eglum, it will be from a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea, but its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Every year we read this passage. Uh, it's kind of our checkup. Uh, maybe you're feeling like everything's going great at Riverwood, and I am so grateful that we are a healthy church, but if, if anything, I need the checkup. I need this reminder of who God calls us to be, the mission that he's given us, and, and just to kind of look and analyze how are we doing on it and what do we need to do to stay focused. And, and so we, we come back to it. But I've noticed that each year it seems like we, we focus on a different aspect of it. Uh, a couple of years ago, we looked at the idea of the salt found there in verse 11. Uh, a couple of different times we've looked at the trees mentioned. They, they're first mentioned in verse 7, but then discussed a little more in verse 12. But this year, what I feel like we need to do is we need to just go back to kind of the core section, those four depths that we see Ezekiel walk through. But in order for us to discuss those, I need to, to lay a, a very key foundational aspect to this passage. The, the thing that you need to know is that I believe the river in this vision represents Jesus. If you notice, the whole entire thing is about this river. And so this would help you understand that because I believe the river is Jesus, that's why we talk about being a Jesus-centered church. We want him to be at the center of who we are and everything we do. But why? Why do I believe that this river is Jesus? Well, several reasons. N number one, we first see in verse one that this uh, river comes from the temple. The, the temple was the place where it was considered where the, the presence of God would be. It was the place that they would come, therefore, to worship. Well, we see Jesus come from heaven. He comes from the ultimate place of worship, the ultimate place of God's presence. Uh, second, we see this river go by the altar. In verse one, it says it goes south of the altar. The altar was the place of sacrifice. The, the, the people would bring their, their animals, their sacrifices to the temple to then be killed for the forgiveness of their sin, to the shedding of blood. Well, we see Jesus go through the cross, the ultimate place of sacrifice. He died there in our place. And it wasn't us who brought him. It was God who sent him. And Jesus said he willingly went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And unlike the animals, which would pay for past sin, Jesus paid for all of our sin once and for all. 
But then we notice in uh, verse 2 that this river goes out through the east side. Uh, When this vision starts in chapter 40, God enters into the vision in chapter 43. He, He enters through the east gate. Then God declares in chapter 44 that no one can use the east gate. Because God has used it, the east gate is now so holy, it's only reserved for God. Now, there's a little place where the, the, whoever the prince would be for Israel could be allowed to, to go and sit at the east gate, but no one's allowed to go in and out of it. And yet, this river flows out through the east side. Maybe you, you noticed, maybe not, but Ezekiel, when he sees this, the angel leads him out through the north gate. They have to go around and come back down to see this. If you were to go to Jerusalem today, the east gate is completely walled off. They don't want to run any risk of anyone trying to use it. It's only for God. And they're not too worried that when God shows up, the Messiah shows up, even though it's walled off, he can open it up and he will pass through. Well, this river goes out through the east gate. To me, this is an indication of its divinity, that it is allowed to use the east side. Jesus is God the Son. He has the right to use the east side. But probably most convincing to me is what we see down in verse 9. In verse 9, we see that this river brings life. It crashes into the Dead Sea. If you know anything about the Dead Sea, it is so chock full of salt and minerals that nothing can live in it. Even people who don't know how to swim can walk out into the waters, lay down, and it just keeps them afloat. So no plants can live there, no fish are swimming in there. It is dead. And yet, when this river crashes into the Dead Sea, verse 9 says it is now teeming with life. It says it has so many fish and the wide variety of fish, just like the Great Sea, the Mediterranean. So much so that from Engedi to Eglum, from basically from north to south, fishermen can lay out their nets to dry because there are so many fish in what had previously been dead. Jesus tells us in John 10.10, he came to give life and to give it abundantly. It tells us in Ephesians 2 that we are all born in our sin, but that because of God's great mercy, he made us, it says, alive in Christ. And, And so Jesus brings life. He brings spiritual life to people. That's why I'm convinced that this river is Jesus. So that means that the four depths that Ezekiel walks through are this idea of spiritual growth, of getting deeper into Christ. This is why during our 21 days of prayer, our theme this year was gospel growth. And we spent the whole entire first week of just praying for you as an individual to go deeper into Christ, that God would continue to grow you, that you would go deeper in this river. So what are these four depths? The, the first depth is ankle deep. At Riverwood, we say this is salvation in Christ. That, that when someone is on the shore, they haven't stepped into these life-giving rivers yet, but then when they realize the, the life that Jesus offers, they step into the river, they find life in Christ, they go from spiritual death to spiritual life, and everything at the spiritual level absolutely changes. Now, maybe outwardly, things aren't that different, but inwardly, they are now a new creation, it tells us in 1 Corinthians. And, and, and so we see this stepping in, finding life in Jesus. If you are not a follower of Jesus, and yet you're here this morning, or, or you're, you're 
connecting with us online or listening to the podcast later, we want you to find this life in Christ. We did not start Riverwood simply to try to steal Christians from other churches so we could have something nice and happy and comfortable. We started Riverwood for you. We are on a mission to invite the spiritually disconnected, those who feel apart from God, and to invite them to find Jesus, to step into this river and find life in him and begin this life of now following him. And so if that's you, then I invite you, get off the shore, make today your spiritual birthday, step into the river, give your life to Jesus. Most people, when they realize that this whole story of Jesus is true, they they often take the moment and confess. They confess their sin, they admit they're separated from God, and yet they, they express this desire to now follow God, realizing that if Jesus gave his life for them, they want to now give their life to follow him. And so let today be your spiritual birthday. Step into the river and let God begin the process of washing you and changing you. But if you notice, you don't just step into the river and you're done. The, the current of the river is beckoning you deeper. I, I, th- I see this as the work of the Holy Spirit. This is what theologians would call sanctification. That just because you've found salvation in Christ doesn't mean God is now done with you. He wants to continue this process of making you more like Jesus. And so the the current is beckoning you deeper. The the next level we see is knee deep. This is now actively seeking to grow in Christ. At Riverwood, we talk about taking a two-handed approach to spiritual growth. We want to see you growing both personally and through relationships. Personally, we would love to see you begin to develop personal spiritual disciplines, Bible reading, prayer. Today, I'm titling the sermon, In and Out. Well, on an individual level, just spending time with God in prayer, in in, in the scriptures, it's in and out. You're reading the scriptures and bringing it in, but then you're praying and you're breathing out. And just what a relationship that is with God. But God did not design your faith, your walk with Christ, to be a solo endeavor. He's created you to be in relationship with others. Just like riding a bike. I mean, yeah, you can ride it holding one hand, but man, something juts out at you, you're gonna have way more control if you've got two hands on it. That's why we wanna see you in relationship with others. That's why we have growth groups. Get into a growth group and, and let God use that because not only is it gonna help you in following Jesus, but God will use you to help others follow Jesus. Maybe our current growth groups don't work. Don't find one person. Invite them out for coffee, tea, uh, lunch, breakfast, and then open up the scriptures together. Study. Spend time praying for one another. Help each other pursue Christ and grow in the gospel. But then you notice that the river is beckoning you still even deeper. Knee deep isn't enough. It wants to get you to waist deep. When you are waist deep in a river, you still can walk around, but you're really beginning to feel. And so what, how we identify being waist deep is serving Christ. A way to serve is to open up your fist, your finances, your influence, your skills, and your time. These things that we so often try to hold on to, to keep for ourselves, God wants us to open up our fist, to live these generous lives, to give this to him and to others, because that is living like Christ. As you give of these things to others, you're now letting God have more influence, more impact. He's moving you and calling you deeper. We want to see you living these kind of generous lives because that's part of what we see as going and being a blessing to the world. 
Then the last depth is in over your head. We are going to actually talk about that in the next portion of our sermon. What we're doing today is uh, we're, we're doing this idea of in and out, being in the river of Christ, but then we're going to see how it sends us out. And so what we want to do is we want to just pause, and we just want to celebrate being in Christ. I, I sometimes think we so much look at what we want to get from God that I think what we need to do is just pause and realize what we've already received from God. That if you are a follower of Jesus, you've stepped into this river, whether you're knee deep, uh, ankle deep, knee deep, or waist deep, that, that you are in this river. And I think we need to just pause and say thank you. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to take a break in the sermon, and we're just going to celebrate communion. We're just going to take this moment to just remember we are in Christ. Now, if you are here and you are not a follower of Jesus, yeah, guys, come on up. Yes, that's the clue. They knew when I said communion, they were supposed to come. Uh, when, I, um, when, when you step into Christ, step into this river, you are in Christ. It means you realize that Jesus went to the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Even if you are a first-time guest here today, but you know this story, this is the key part of you, then we invite you to partake. If you're not ready, though, yet, you don't believe this is true, you still have some questions, that's fine. We do not want you feeling manipulated to try and come to these because this is not about these elements. This is about Christ. Those elements simply remind us of what Jesus did for us. That bread represents his body. The, the juice represents his blood. When we take those elements, we are saying that his story is my story. You're taking this into yourself. This is now who you are. If, if this is not who you are yet, then don't worry about these elements. Instead, you just take this next moment to pray. This is your chance to ask God, is it all true? Is what that pastor is saying actually a true story? Or is it just something from fiction or just something from history? I believe it's true. I believe God is inviting you to step into this river to find life in Christ. I would love for today to be your spiritual birthday. So don't worry about these elements. Instead, spend this time asking God, talking to him, and if you realize it's true, may you right now make this your spiritual birthday. But if you are in the river, would you come? Would, would you come and take these elements? But I'm going to ask you to do one thing. As you go during the song and you get them and you bring the elements back, before you take them, I want you to ask God, where am I in the river? Just allow him to show you where you are. And then thank him for getting you to that spot. But then after you take those elements, I want you to now ask God, now what do you want to do to take me deeper? As you thank God for making you ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, ask him, how do you want to work in 2023 to take me deeper? How do you want to get me from being ankle deep in this river to knee deep? God, what is it that you're calling me to do? God, what do I need to do from going knee-deep to waist-deep? How can I give more of myself over to you? God, how do you want to call me to pick up my feet, get in over my head, and be fully surrendered to Christ? So, at any point during the song, feel free to go and get these elements, bring them back, and as they lead us in singing, feel free to have that conversation with God, and then we'll come back up and we'll do part two of our sermon. So let us go now and do this in remembrance of him.
And so the river beckons us deeper. We are to go into Christ, going from ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. But then ultimately you get to a place where you're in over your head. Now I've asked this question numerous times here at Riverwood. So if you know the answer, I'm going to ask that you just kind of remain quiet. Because I want to give those that this is their first time considering this, just a, a moment to think about it. But if you are in a river where the, there's a strong current and you cannot touch bottom, who or what is in control? The river. The river can basically take you wherever it wants. If you saw Ezekiel, he said that it was a river he could not even pass through. As soon as you get out there and your feet aren't touching bottom, the current is taking you. And at Riverwood, we believe that is taking you into your workplace, into your school, into your home, into another community, even around the world. And so wherever you are going, we hope that you, if you are in the river, that you will come to a place where you will see you are being sent there by God. This isn't just a job for you to earn an income. This is a place for you to represent the life-changing gospel among your coworkers. That you aren't just at school in order to get an education. You are there to be an ambassador for Jesus and be a delight to others, to be a blessing. That wherever you are going, you are being sent by God. But I want to take this idea and just stretch it a little further. And this question I have not asked before, so feel free to answer it. Where do rivers go? Joa, where do rivers go? To an ocean. They, they go to a bigger body of water, a lake, the sea, the ocean. R rivers don't just tunnel down and then just kind of work down to a little trickle and just kind of end. No, that, that's often how they start. But as more streams, tributaries pour into it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it flushes you out into the ocean. God does not have, has not called you just to come into the river so that he can do something in you. He is also sending you out to make a difference. Another way to think of it is that we are to be immersed in Christ, immersed in the gospel. We are to be immersed in this river so we can be dispersed out. Now you understand why every single week as we end our worship gathering, Jake or one of our worship leaders says, now go and be a blessing. Go and follow Jesus. It's this idea that we've just been together, been immersed in song, in scripture, in, in communion, in prayer, and now we are being dispersed out. This is not just to be a time of, of entertainment. This is to be a time of filling, of investing, so that you can go out and be that blessing and make the difference to go and follow Jesus. When my kids were little, I used to tell them that the reason God put you in a family was to practice. Have you ever noticed how it's way easier to kind of be nice to those that you just see on a, you know, so, somewhat regular basis. But it's a lot harder to continually be nice to those that you live with. Okay, maybe it's just our family. That's what we told our kids. Like, if you can figure out how to love one another here, to care for one another, to serve one another, if you can do that here in the home, you're going to be amazing out there. 
Like everyone will want to hire you. They will want you in their clubs. They will want you at their school. They will want you because you will have practiced loving and they're going to want to be around you. This is why God calls the church a family. Because if you can love one another, you can serve one another, you can care for one another, you can bear one another's burdens. If you can do that here, living out Romans 12, 9 through 21, if you're not familiar with Romans 12, 9 through 21, write that down and go read it later. If you can do Romans 12, 9 through 21, you will be amazing out there. That if you can immerse yourself into a church family and let God use this church to work off your uneven edges, to mold and shape you into that image of Christ, as God disperses you out, you will be amazing. But what that means is you have got to allow God to immerse you into a church family. Now, if Riverwood's not that church family for you, that's okay. We can't be the church for absolutely everybody. But we want you in a church where you immerse yourself into it so that God can use those people to shape you into the image of Christ and he can use you to help shape them into the image of Christ. Because something happens as our lives rub up against one another and God uses sometimes those frictions or those servings, the helpings, the, the loving, the, all of it to accomplish something deep within you so that you'll be amazing out there and he can do something great through you. Now, I realize that a number of you are already immersed into the Riverwood family. You are a big, big part of why we are as healthy as we are. You are serving. You are in a growth group. We are so blessed because of you. But some of you, you've been kind of on the edges, and that's okay. I just want to invite you, how can you go deeper? Because by going deeper you create the opportunity for God to continue to do this great work in you. So for some of you, it's going to be to begin serving. Some of you, you're serving, but you realize God's calling you to a greater depth of serving. Some of you, you need to get into a growth group. Some of you, you need to help us start another growth group. A couple of our growth groups are getting a little too large. We need to start another one. Some of you may be the ones to help us start that. Because as you get into a group, as you start serving, as you're interacting with the people of Riverwood, God uses that to do something great in you. Too often when the church is asking you to volunteer, it sounds like the church just wants something from you. For us, it's the exact opposite. This is not about what we can get from you. It's that we believe God has something for you. This will be part of your spiritual growth. But you guys realize that if we allow God to do these things in us, this gospel growth in us as a church, and we are loving one another in a Romans 12, 9 through 21 way, when we get dispersed out there and we're amazing, there will be people who will now want to come to the church where you're at. Because they will, first of all, like you, some of them will start to get curious about the gospel, so they're going to want to come and learn more. Some are going to find Jesus because of you, and they're going to want to be a part of the church that you're at. And so what's going to happen is we could potentially see more people be part of Riverwood. That means we're in this next year and beyond, 
we are going to need to see more out. And to see that out, we need to multiply. Today, I want to talk about three different areas that I believe God is calling us as a church to multiply in. The first is we need to multiply volunteers and leaders. As more people come, we need to continue to provide the environment on Sundays where people are welcomed and they sense God's love through us. And it's then an avenue to invite them into our growth groups where God uses those groups to help shape them into that image of Jesus. But we have some amazing volunteers, and yet it would be very irresponsible of us to just expect those volunteers to take on more to welcome these people. Let me give you an example. Right now, Luke Anderson is serving as one of our elders. I get the joy of seeing every Wednesday this man love you guys by praying. He is concerned for you, and this guy is a gap filler. He sees a need. He wants to help because he believes in the mission that God has given us. He is truly an elder. But he is not just coming here on Wednesdays to pray and help carry this burden. Immediately after our worship gathering, he helps lead a, a growth group. All right, if you're not in a growth group, easiest growth group to get involved in. You're already here. You get an awesome leader, a bunch of cool people. Go, get involved in it. But he also realizes that finances is a big area for a, a, a church, and so he helps lead our finance team. All right, that's kind of a heavy load. That budget that was rolled out, that was him and the finance team that put all of that together. But also, he volunteers once a month back in preschool. All right, because there was a need. Also, we bought a building. Our first year here, Tim Corcoran mowed the lawn every single week. That's too much for one guy to do alone. So Luke says, all right, I'll help put together a schedule. And so he put, over the, put together the schedule. And he puts himself on the schedule. And I'm pretty sure there's probably a couple other areas that I'm missing as well. And I could have not used Luke as my example. I could have used Matt Townsley. I could have used Ed Pavlik. I could have used a number of you. And so the last thing we want to do is to just pour more on our existing volunteers. Because right now, Luke serves with a lot of joy. But if we continue to have him burden all that, he's going to lose some of that joy. And I want Luke Anderson to continue to have a tremendous joy because he is a blessing to so many of us. That is why we have to multiply volunteers and leaders. Now, if you are new to Riverwood, if you've only been here for just a few weeks, you're still not totally sure this is the church that you want to be a part of, do not think I'm trying to arm twist you into something. I am speaking to those that are saying, this is my church. This is where God has called me. This is the place that I want to grow in. And this is the place I want to help others find and follow Jesus. If that's you, then start helping us out. It could be as simple as just ushering once a month. Jump back into kids. Maybe help out with, with cafe. Just find an area and jump in here and help us create this environment that we already have, but we can continue to improve where we can welcome people and give them every opportunity to step into the life-giving river. So we need to multiply volunteers and leaders. Second, we need to, we need to multiply space. Uh, some of you may have noticed that uh, really over the course of this fall, uh, this place started getting really, really full. Now, some of it was because we chose over the summer to invite our kids to start with us. 
And so we, this room's filled with kids from Kids Creek, uh, as well as right now, you know, a number of you fifth and sixth graders are with us because it's the, uh, what, fourth Sunday of the month. You guys get your class on the first and third. And so they, they take up seats, and it's been great. It's been wonderful. But it meant that we were most weeks having to pull out extra chairs. And so if you've noticed, we no longer have stacks of chairs. We just started putting out all the chairs. And that's fine, but the rule of thumb is that when a room is 80% full, first-time guests feel like there's no room for them. Now, yeah, we could find some spots, but how many of you really enjoy walking into a brand new place and sitting right next to someone that you've never met before? Now, when it becomes your best friend, okay, yeah, John Post, yes, you, you, are, you are one of the weird ones. Right? Now, the extroverts are going, yeah, that sounds great. The introverts of you are going, oh my goodness, that sounds like you know, a door away from hell. Uh, most people don't enjoy that. And so that's why when they come in and there's not that room, or, or, or they, they come in and it's really, really crowded, it, it means some of them are going to feel like, oh, I just don't know that there's space here for me. And now we lose our opportunity to minister to them and disciple them. And so it means we need to figure out, is this the best seating arrangement? We are currently working on that. Are there other things that we need to do? Kids Creek has been absolutely packed. We're trying to figure out, can we do this in a little better way, a little more efficient way? Also, we're, we're starting to have conversations. Are we utilizing our square footage the best that we can? I, I think we're doing a really good job. Doesn't mean we're doing it perfectly. Could we do it even a little better? We've got to figure out a way to multiply and maximize the usage of our space because if we are dispersed and people are finding Jesus and wanting to follow him, they will want to come and be a part of this. And we want to be faithful to love and support and disciple those people who come. But that means we have to make space for them. So we need to multiply space. The last thing that I think we need to do is we need to multiply as a church. Um, couple of reasons why. Uh, first of all, new churches have turned out to be one of the most effective ways to help people who don't know the gospel find Jesus. It is also a phenomenal way to help those who, who do know Jesus really grow in their faith. I could tell you a number of people, whether it's been because of Riverwood or other churches, that their, their faith, you know, they would have said they were ankle deep, but by getting involved in a brand new church, their faith went deeper. They were knee deep, waist deep, suddenly they're in over their heads. Right, so if, if God using churches really accomplishes this, this is something we need to be a part of. However, nationally last year, there was a net gain of 300 churches. Right? 4,000 churches were started last year in America, but 3,700 closed. And that was a gain, whereas in 2020, we actually saw a net loss. In 2019, it was the first year there had actually been more churches planted than a loss. It had been like 20 years since we'd seen that. 2020, we saw a dip. Now we're seeing it, it climb back up again. However, even though 300 churches was our net gain in America, just to maintain pace with population growth, we would have seen, need seen over 900 churches, almost 1,000, be planted just to maintain with population growth within the U.S. It means the church is falling farther and farther and farther behind. Now, I believe God is working right now 
that he is purifying and, 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 and working to help people realize church is not just something you come to on a Sunday and attend, that is to be a part of your life, that God is wanting to do something much deeper. And so some of this can be good. I think there's a purifying effect going on, but some of it's not good because if the church is one, if church planning is one of the most effective ways to help people find Jesus and follow him, then we need more churches. I was a part of a church, it's on staff, and my first year there, I heard that in five years we're going to plant a church. However, the next year, I heard in five years we're going to plant a church. And the next year, in five years, we're going to plant a church. And after I'd been there for five years, it was still five years away. And by this time, I started catching on. I don't think this is ever going to happen. Even when I told them, God is calling me to plant a church, the response was, that's great, good luck. And to this day, they still have not planted a church. And yet, it is one of the most effective ways to help people who don't know the gospel to find Jesus, and one of the best ways to help people who are young in their faith or just growing in their faith to get deeper in the river and grow in their faith. So I don't want us to be the church that talks about it. I want us to be the church that does it. Now, we're not going to do it in 2023, barring an incredible miracle by God. However, 2023 is the year that we've now been given a deadline. Let me explain. When Leanne and I felt this call into church planting and our church decided that they weren't going to be a part of it, we started a nonprofit. We, we were not part of any sort of network uh, association. We'd been part of non-denominational churches our entire lives. And so we wanted to make sure that any monies that were given into church planting, that, that we had kind of accountability to it. So the best way to do that was to start a nonprofit. So we started what we called the River Tree Project based off Ezekiel 47. So we started the River Tree Project. We got a board. That board began overseeing it. People began to contribute toward it. And it was through there that we found Waverly, we planted Riverwood, and River Tree Project helped get this established. Now, about the time we found Waverly, we heard about Converge. Uh, many of you know that we ended up joining with Converge. We're part of the region known as Converge North Central. And when Converge, you know, kind of found out about me and I found out about them, we began having conversations and realized this is a good partnership. They said, Aaron, we give a $10,000 grant to every new church. Well, I knew of other church planning organizations that gave 25,000 or 50,000. All right, so I didn't join because of money. All right, $10,000 would barely buy us a sound system. Thankfully, we were gifted a sound system at that time. But but $10,000 was not very much. So I wasn't doing it for money. However, there came a point when I realized, "Oh, that 10,000 would really really help right now." And I kept wondering when it was going to come because we'd already signed on the dotted line. We're we're a part of this. And I got told, well, Aaron, um, we don't have the money right now. As soon as we get it, yeah, we'll give it to you. But it wasn't until Riverwood was 11 months old that we finally got the $10,000 gift. So when Converge North Central brought on Mark Biorlo as its new president about two years ago, some of you had a chance to meet Mark last July, Mark realized if one of the most effective ways to help people find Jesus is through church planting, one of the most effective ways to help people grow in their faith is through church planting, then we need to figure out a way to not only better fund these, but to spur our churches on. And so he started a church planting escrow fund. 
Here's the way the program is going to work. Nate, if you'd throw that up. Churches are now being encouraged to commit escrowing funds. The recommended amount is 3% of your annual budget. But when you put the money in, you now have to use it within five years. If you use it within five years, they will match whatever you have put in up to $50,000. And if you have a church planter who goes about raising funds for like his salary or for staff, they will also match his fundraising up to $50,000. So there's a potential of $100,000. Now, Mark realized if we're going to see this happen, we need a way bigger pot. So Mark, one of the first things he did was he went out and he began to fundraise, and he has raised almost $2 million to help be that foundation. So churches can begin pouring into this, and there's money now to double that. Well, when I learned about this, I realized that Riverwood, since our inception, has been putting 3% of our budget into the River Tree Project for a future church plant. Well, we got to the point that we had $18,000 there. Well, I went to my River Tree board, and I was like, guys, Converge is rolling out this new escrow fund. If we gave the money to Riverwood to plant into this escrow fund, that 18000 could become 36000 And they quickly realized, this makes way better sense. This is better stewardship. So last September, the River Tree Project Board voted unanimously to close, to gift that $18,000 to Riverwood. Our elders voted unanimously to then put that money into this new escrow fund. And we just set it in, Minette, here in January. Yes? She's shaking her head, tentative. Yes, okay. It's in the works. But that means we are about to write an $18,000 plus check to send to Converge North Central to be put into this escrow fund with the hopes and dreams of us seeing that doubled and get to use to plant another church. That means we have to do this by 2028. We have five years. Now, if we don't use it, that 18000 just rolls right into church planting and gets used. It goes into the general fund. But we lose the opportunity to use it. I don't want to lose that opportunity. Now, I have no idea where we're going to plant this church. I have no idea who this church plant is going to reach. I have no idea if some of you are going to be the ones who we get to send out to help plant that church. All I know is that I want to see some people find Jesus and I want to see your faith just grown and activated. And so this is one of the best ways we can do it. So the timer starts. We're on the clock. We have five years. This is part of our gospel growth, you guys. Because we need the reminder, it's not about us. Whatever church we plant, it's probably not going to be Riverwood Church, the Clarksville campus. It'll be its own name. It'll be its own church. We'll do everything we can to resources, to support it, to pray for it. But we're going to send them out knowing God's going to work there to reach another community with the gospel, to activate more people in their faith, and we will get the joy of watching it happen. For the last five years, we have had the joy of financially and prayerfully supporting Patrick Ray. And it has been so much fun to learn about the things that are happening there. <laughs> Some of you this week, you sent Patrick an email just to say, hey, for our 21 days of prayer, we were praying for you. I texted with Patrick on Wednesday. And he just said the timing could not have been better. He'd received a really difficult email that morning, some complaints against the, 
the church. And you guys flooded him with emails. And he said it was exactly what he needed. It has been such a joy to support his church planning efforts. I want to see it go even deeper for us. Because if we are actively a part of a, not just sending some money and some prayer, but to even sending people, that it becomes a part of us, it's going to take you deeper than ever before. And we'll see us be dispersed out and be amazing. So 2023, I just want us to continue to go deeper in the gospel, in Christ, to do whatever we can to help you continue to go deeper to where you're in over your head. Because then the prayer is that we will get the joy of sending you out. That as you go out, you will be that blessing as you follow Jesus. And it will hopefully lead us to one day here within five years, seeing another church established and you see this continue to grow. So Heavenly Father, I just thank you for uh, what you've done here starting Riverwood. To think that this started uh, with just me and my family and now to see how you have grown this. Uh, Lord, it's humbling. It's awe-inspiring. And I just say thank you. But yet, Lord, I know that the mission is not done. But what you have given us is just for the church globally. And so I pray that you'd help our heart to beat in sync with your heart, that we would be what you are about. And if you are about reaching people with this life-changing gospel, we want to be a part of that right here in the Waverly, Shell Rock, Janesville, Denver area. But we also want to see it continuing to go out and to see you do what only you can do. So Lord, help us as individuals to live this in and out lifestyle, that we'd be immersed in you and dispersed out to our workplaces and our classes and wherever you send us. But God, I pray you do it also for us as a church, that, that overall, we would be a church that just immerses ourselves in you, in your gospel, but we would also be a church that is dispersed. We are dispersed out and we carry this life-changing gospel with us. God, would you please do this for your glory and for our joy? And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.